from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for the Masters Preview Podcast with Ryan Balangi on Monday, November 9th. That is never a sentence I thought I would utter, Ryan. <laughs> In a lot of ways, yeah. Welcome to 2020. Um, Ryan, of course, is... Uh, from the Golf News Net. You can read his work over there. Um, normally, we're talking this time of year about uh, how Tiger will look for the Hero World Challenge, and uh, instead we're talking about his, his uh, title defense in a major. Um, let's just go through some things that have broken this morning sequentially, and we are recording this at 12.56 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday the 9th. The first is that Lee Elder will be an honorary starter in 2021, and Augusta National has also established scholarships in his name at um, the Lee uh, at uh, uh, Payne College and uh, Payne College and HBCU located inside of Augusta. Two scholarships annually, um, one to. Uh, 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 one each uh, for someone to compete on the men's and women's golf team. There's also going to be a women's golf program that Augusta National will fund um, at Payne College. Uh, Ryan, this is something that a lot of people called for uh, when the social justice movement was happening over the summer, and Augusta National listened, and I was quizzical as to why uh, Fred Ridley was on the interview list twice this week. Well, now we know, and this is a big one that's going to resonate in a lot of places today. Yeah, this is a cool one. Um, uh, There's been talk about this for a number of years, hoping to to make the honorary starters look a little bit more like America, and uh, they they delivered that today. I'm very happy for Lee Elder and his family to be able to do something like this. Uh, Tiger Woods considers Lee Elder like a, another grandfather or like another father figure. And so uh, it, it's just great. I mean, it's, it, the steps toward inclusiveness in golf, uh, they don't come often, but they have come more frequently lately. And when they do come, maybe they're more meaningful uh, because they have been so long in coming. And hopefully there's a day when stuff like this, like, oh, cool, We've already done stuff like this before, but uh, kudos to Augusta National for using their platform in the last five, six years, uh, especially under Fred Ridley being the the chairman of the club and and the tournament, to just reflect a little bit more of what society is and where it is, bringing the Augusta National Women's Amateur into the existence that it has, even though... Yeah, unfortunately, year two was postponed. Uh, and then to have Lee Elder come in and be the 10th person to be an honorary starter at this tournament and the first African-American is uh, a great step. Really is, and it's something that I'm so happy to, to see and uh, so happy to see, um, you know, see happen while Lee's alive. He's 86 years old. He'll be able... Um, to uh, do this. Um, I'm just going through this now. Fred Ridley um, was asked, uh, this is from Brendan Porath, uh, Fred Ridley was asked uh, how much it would cost 
and uh, he said he didn't know, but that's not really a consideration. Um, the secret here is that Augusta National has a lot of money. Cost is not an issue. And as to why have Lee Elder start as a starter next year and not this year, he's 86 years old, um, is because um, from what Brendan is saying, they want and hope to have fans present um, for that um, uh, for that special occasion. What I'm wondering, Ryan, and I'm not sure if, if your research has um, clarified this at all, are you aware of if this is going to be permanent as him being one of the honorary starters every year, or is this a one-year deal for 2020, uh, uh, 2021 alongside Jack and Gary? Um, I'm under the impression that he is in this role for however long he would like to do it. Mm. So I assume that Lee Elder is going to do this at least once. Like I said, he's amazing an older man he's in his 80s so there aren't that many times he's going to be able to do this but at least he will be able to do it I, I believe for as long as he chooses to do it which is awesome and kudos to Augusta National on doing that um, and kudos to um, it, it, and kudos to him for accepting for Augusta National to then go the next step and, and, and establish these um Sponsorships, uh, sorry, these us, 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 uh, excuse me, scholarships. And I think, Ryan, the, the, the cool part is that so often honors like this happen after people have passed. Lee Elder gets to see this while he's alive, and then hopefully, knock on wood, God willing, in 2021, he gets to become an honorary starter and see all his hard work come to fruition on golf's art on what is to so many golf's grandest stage yeah i think that's the really important part of all of this is that that it happened while he was alive um i feel like we kind of especially in golf we just do stuff so slowly that we kind of miss the window sometimes and um yeah we probably missed the window uh with lee elder doing this sooner maybe in his 70s even, but fortunately it does get to happen and uh, I can't wait to watch him do it next April. Yeah, I can't watch it myself. The other piece of news that came out this morning from Augusta National, as we're talking to Ryan Ballinger here on Teeing It Up, is that um, is that the 10-shot rule is out and it's just top 50 in ties now to make the cut. Um for example, last year, I, I think I read somewhere that nine fewer players would have made um, the weekend if this had been in effect. Then I have mixed feelings on this, but first a point of clarification. The statement that I read from Augusta National sure made it seem as if this is a permanent change and not just a 2020 change um, uh, because of daylight or, or, or you know, anything related to 2020. Is that the impression you're under as well, that this is a permanent change for Augusta? Yeah, this seems like a permanent thing. I mean, as you know, Jeremy, the, the Masters field has gotten closer to 100 more frequently in probably the last six or seven years than ever before. And that's kind of a goal that they want to, uh, to keep it under 100. But realizing that the, the international nature of the game and the way that they have their invitation criteria, especially for being like top 50 in the world at certain points in time, particularly at the end of a calendar year when, frankly, the European Tour racks up points with their season end. Um, 
I think they realize they got to have fewer people on the weekend, and in the event that things like what happened last year happens, where you have to go off early or go off in threesomes, or like this year, where you know you're going to have to fight daylight pretty much Thursday and Friday, maybe Saturday, depending on how many people make the cut. Um, and and went, on this weather forecast that's too, a possibility that you know they might have to spill over into extra days just because of daylight issues. Yeah. I mean, heck, they couldn't get it done last night in Phoenix on the Champions Tour. So, <laughs> now it took a six-hole playoff, but hey, funky things happen. Funky things happen in golf sometimes. Um, and then and then the third thing, Ryan, is that Sergio Garcia tests positive for COVID, joining Joaquin Neiman as players who have tested positive for COVID this week. And there were many players who said at Zozo that this was the one COVID test, this, the PGA and the U.S. Open, the three most nerve-wracking COVID tests they've taken every single year, uh, sorry, all year have been for these three majors. And unfortunately, Sergio and, and Joaquin, um, you know, fell victim to it. It just shows that I think until everybody is registered and passed, we may not know who is fully in this field. Yeah, there still could be a couple more. I mean, you never know, right? Um, right now we're down to 94 players with Neiman and Garcia out. Thanks for Sergio, obviously a past champion, won in 2017, his only major championship. And he had just won on the PGA Tour again, putting um, with his eyes closed. And it, it seemed like maybe some things were coming together for him. Uh, and it also ends for him a streak of 84 consecutive majors played, which was the longest active streak of consecutive majors played. I mean, still way short of Jack Nicklaus's 146, but uh, Adam Scott is now the, the running leader. He'll play in his 77th straight major, assuming that he tests negative and plays in the, in the Masters come Thursday. But, uh, yeah, and really thanks for Joaquin Neiman, who's been waiting a long time for this. He, he had his breakthrough win in September of 2019 at the Greenbrier and had been waiting for this year plus obviously at this point nearly it's getting closer to two years than not um, and he'll be out of it this week as well so uh, I mean there still could be other surprises but uh, that's a bummer to, to be able to miss out on your first Masters or miss out coming off of a win on the PGA Tour Did, uh, didn't Neiman get in as the Latin American amateur champion or am I thinking of somebody else yeah somewhere else huh that is, yeah, that is crushing to miss your first, to miss out on, on your first trip to Augusta that way. Um, I'm talking to Ryan Ballinger here on uh, Teeing It Up. So then we get to the weather forecast, because I, I really think that, A, everybody passing COVID is a big hurdle. Then once we get past that, it goes to this weather forecast, which is deteriorated day after day after day because of the remnants of Tropical Storm Ada. And Ryan, so often we talk about guys who can and can't win at Augusta. Well, this is a totally different time of year. And the guys who visited in the last couple of weeks said it was uh, beautiful and in great shape, but there was more Bermuda showing and there was um, a wetness to it. Well, you're definitely going to get wet when you get thunderstorms and rain Wednesday and especially on Thursday when it could be up to... Uh, 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 could be upwards of an inch of rain, and then showers staying in the forecast all through the week. It's warm, it's humid. Tiger looked his best in the match two, which was 
hot, humid, and pouring rain. So it may be good for his back, but I'm not sure, you know, for anybody else, Freddie and, and, and whoever else needs loose backs. But this does really throw an interesting curveball in the sense that it may give Bryson benefits, but if play gets halted and then the sub air is able to work, Bryson's still got to make the putts in the back end. I'm not quite sure this is going to become a bomber's course. Now, yes, I think this may rule out a Zach Johnson, but until we actually see this play out, I'm not sure we know who this is going to benefit or hurt. What's your thoughts on this, Ryan? Well, I think it does help someone like Bryson who hits a long ball that is predicated on a lot of carries. There are long ball hitters. I mean, I, I have the ball fairly long way as an amateur golfer. A lot of my distance is predicated on roll. I mean, I can carry it like 265, but I'm going to get another 30 in roll. Uh, Bryce is not like that. He carries it three whatever, and then if it doesn't roll, it's still really, really long. Um, Dustin Johnson, similarly. High cut, flies a long way. Tony Fee now hits a little bit lower, a little bit more penetrating. It's going to run out for him. So, it does favor longer hitters, I think, because Augusta National will play longer. But that also means you got to be a certain type of longer hitter, I think, to get the full advantage of playing on a wet golf course. Like you said, sounds like it's a little bit wetter. Uh, maybe that's just the nature of fall. You're going from uh, you know summer where it's a little bit squishier, probably, uh, just to keep things alive down there, and instead of going from you know, the, the thought of winter to spring where you probably don't need quite as much moisture to, to get it where it needs to be. So that'll be interesting to see. But like you said, they still have a sub-air system underneath every green, so it's not like the whole golf course is going to play slow. You're just not going to get – you're going to get even less rollout than you were already getting at Augusta because of the way they try to mow it or whatever. Um, but the greens themselves are still going to be quick. They're still going to be tricky. They're still going to be pretty firm and fast even if it rains a fair amount. But like you said, because of what kind of rain we get also on Thursday, because it, it sounds like it's thunderstorm, so it sounds like there could be some electricity involved. That could mean a stoppage of play. That could have some implications on the tournament, too, because if play stops for hours at a time, they're fighting daylight as it is to get 94 players through off two tees and threesome. So they may have to spill over Friday, then spill over to Saturday, and all of a sudden this becomes a wacky Masters like last year. Really, Matt, uh, 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 sorry, uh, really wacky. Just to clarify something, Joaquin Neiman, this would have been his second Masters. He won the Latin American Amateur in 2018 and then missed the cut when he played in 2018 at Augusta. So, professional, sorry about that. Yes, okay, yep, yep. So you, uh, you and I are now on the same page. But it would have been his first time as a winner with all that, you know, uh, with all the additional confidence that that comes from being a winner. You know, I think a perfect example of this is Bryson versus Cameron Champ. Cameron Champ has that piercing low ball flight that does need some run. He can hit it a long ways, but it does need some run on the other end. Him versus Bryson is a big difference. And I think it gives an advantage also to a guy like um, Matthew Wolf, who hits it super high, versus someone like a Colin Morikawa. Not that Colin's a bomber. But these mid-range hitters, the Speeds, the the Rickies of the world, um, Hovland, Morikawa, those guys who need the extra roll sometimes could be. And then it comes down to also, Ryan, where they move these tee boxes around and, and how they do it. Now, the field has narrowed 
because we've had the withdrawal from Neiman, the with, the withdrawal from from Sergio. Trevor Immelman decided not to play. On how Cabrera decided not to play. So I think we're down to eighty eight or eighty. Sorry, eighty nine players, I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and we'll see how else this shakes out, but. Definitely an issue if there's stoppages. Now they got to start, you know, catching up, catching up, catching up when you have diminished daylight and you may need to be cleaning a golf course that is still getting water on it um, going forward after that. We're talking to Ryan Ballinger here on teeing it up. So now that's a perfect segue to Bryson. And all of you guys out there, golf fans, have probably seen the article about the ridiculous clubs he was hitting uh, when he came up last week and played alongside Sandy Lyle that he told Carl Parson, uh, Carl Paulson on uh, PGA Tour Radio. By the time this podcast comes out, you will have the thoughts of Tiger, JT, Freddie, and anybody who just decided to walk with Bryson on his round so far today. I have not seen tweets from anybody um, that uh, walked with that group come back yet. Now, Tiger has somehow tweeted from the golf course, we all belong, such wonderful news to hear from Augusta National in celebration of Lee Elder. Um, something tells me uh, Tiger, uh, yeah, th- that uh, tweet may have been, uh, uh, you know, Somebody may have been doing that on on his behalf. But if we agree, um, and by the way, Bones is on Jimmy Walker's bag this week, it appears. Interesting. All right. There's there's a curveball. But if we look at his TrackMan uh, numbers, um, and when you look at um, what... Bryson's potentially going to be able to do. I still have, um, I I still have doubts as to if this is going to work over four days, and if he can truly keep it straight enough to make it work over a four day period, hitting it the distances that he wants to hit it, and. Look, he he geared back last week with Sandy and didn't hit driver into 14. He hit three wood. Um, I'm still skeptical, Ryan. And and, and am I crazy after what we saw at Wingfoot to be skeptical? But I'm I'm personally still skeptical. Uh, I'm pretty well convinced at this point that the strategy works. For Brayson, I think the question is, and this is regardless of the weather forecast at this point to me, is can he chip and putt? Can he hit wedges? I mean, that's that's the flaw in his game, and that's the thing that he's trying to mitigate with the long driving, right? That he's trying to put a shorter, well, not a shorter club in his hand because he's they're on the same length, but a uh, a less distance and kind of hitting the same club over and over again, basically. And if you only have to figure out how to hit. 9-iron, 8-iron, 7-iron wedge, then you only have to really hit half your bag. And if you only have to hit, have to hit half your bag to play a golf course, then that's going to make it just easier. I, I think that's the entire point of the strategy, and that means he has to get better with his wedges, and he has to be more consistent with them. He was that at Wingfoot, and that's why he won going away. And he also putted great. 
he's got to do those two things this week, too. He's got to wedge it well, because he's going to have wedger 9-iron-ish into every hole, except a couple. And he's got to be able to putt it, because that's what the Masters is predicated upon, not three-putting. So he's got to do that again this week. Uh, I still think the tee-to-green strategy makes all the sense in the world for however long he can do it. But, again, it's all, you still got to chip, you still got to putt, you still got to hit approach shots, and if you can't do those things, then the strategy doesn't matter. Um, yeah, and it may well come down to how the short game goes. Um, this is an odd Masters, Ryan Ballinger from Golf News Net with us. This is an odd Masters because we have people in this field who last performed well um, way long time ago. Take Max Homa, who got into this after winning um, at Wells Fargo. Take a C.T. Pan, who uh, you know won at Hilton at the first event after the Masters last year, which got him into this event. He's been waiting an awfully long time to do this. So now when you look at this scenario, what are you, is it advantageous, how can I ask this? Are you giving credence this week to anybody, literally anybody, or is this only the guys who have been playing well coming in? You look at a Dustin Johnson, you look at Brooks Kepka and what he did yesterday, and we'll get to Brooks in a second, but just the, just the, the pedigreed guys, or can somebody who won months and months and months ago sneak into this thing and make it competitive maybe because nobody's eyeing them, nobody's been spotting them, nobody's been looking at them, you know, Lonto Griffin, for example, who, who who won the Houston Open last year, he has trended well during the fall season and after the restart. So maybe there's something for him out there and people could be looking over him. Is there anybody in, in that category that you have your eye on? Not really. I mean, I was asked this the other day in a, a radio appearance, like, give me a long shot. <laughs> you think can win. And I kind of hemmed and hawed and just laughed like no I, don't, I really don't think there's going to be a long shot winner I mean if you look at the Masters in about the last eight years before that there was a period of very uh, shocking winners right probably from 03 to 09 2010 to winner but after that pretty well expected I mean who, who wins this golf tournament They're, and that's because betting has changed and stuff like that but the favorites are the favorites for a reason at this tournament. And so I think about DJ, I think about Brooks because he shot 130 on the weekend at Houston. Um, he looks like him, his old self. Hideki maybe. Uh, again, putting a bugaboo, but maybe that doesn't mean as much in a wet Masters if it works out that way. Patrick Cantlay, who seems to like this golf course, and you're going to try and make the connection between Riviera performance in here. Just one, again, on the PGA Tour. Uh, Justin Thomas, I mean, going down the line of people you would kind of expect. I mean, if, if you think about guys you don't expect, Hero uh, Hatton, I mean, he, but he's a top 15 player in the world. Um, he just, he's just going to get overlooked because he's not as long, and he just... He's a European guy. And a lot of what Hatton has done has come in anonymity, basically. He won the most prestigious event in Europe, 
But that was played at a different time of year up against football. And then he almost wins in Vegas up against football. He almost wins at Sherwood, and that was up against football. So I don't think a lot of golf fans who may have tuned out during this fall run may have forgotten how well Hatton's been playing and may not even realize it. Yeah, I mean, you're going to forget how good that guy is in part because he's just not that big of a household name in the United States, but he should be a name that people are thinking about. Yeah. And Xander Shelfing, same thing. You, you, you almost take for granted that he's going to be in the top ten in pretty much every major. A couple guys that I was looking at yesterday, again, they're not long shots, but guys you're not thinking about. Patrick Reed's playing great golf. The last four starts, he has been worse than T17. Playing great golf, back to kind of who he is. Um, Gary Woodland is 150-1. to one. I know he's got a messed up hip, but now knowing that the power won't necessarily have to be an issue, maybe he can just kind of play his brand of golf. Might be a really interesting, super long shot kind of player. Um, Garcia out would have been interesting. Matt Wolf is 40-1. to one. He has gone T4 and second in his two professional major starts. There's a lot of value the major in that. Clearly one. works for the guy. Yeah, uh, it's kind of hard to ignore him at that point. Um, and, and then you kind of start to get in the territory of, well, wouldn't Corey Connors be cool? He's a great ball striker. He's not that long, so it doesn't necessarily bother him that he's not the longest guy in the field this week. Maybe you throw him into consideration. Um, Lanto Griffin, like you mentioned, two hundred to one was great in the two limited field events. Not great in his title defense in Memorial Park. Don't know why. Maybe it's just the first time defending. Uh, maybe that counts for something this week. But other than that, you start kind of going down the board, and you can find a legitimate reason not to like pretty much everybody that's worse than sixty to one. And I mean, it's just kind of hard to see a scenario where, with all the guys like Rom, Kepka, JT. DJ, Cantlay, Xander, Bryson, uh, Matt Wolf. I mean, Matt Wolf, the farthest down guy, I would love to tell you to bet on this week. And that's 40 to 1. So I, I just don't see guys have that figure in this thing out. Yeah, it's really interesting. It is It is absolutely fascinating to look at those guys who have trended well. I mean, look, look at Patrick Reed, who hasn't been on anybody's radar. Kind of perked up at, what was that, Sherwood, I think it was, that he made an appearance? But, you know, there he is at 28-1 to alongside Bubba, who seems to have maybe gotten past a major um, mental health hurdle for the moment and, and maybe is in a better headspace. Who knows what that can do? Um, and then, there's, then there's, there's Tommy Fleetwood, obviously, sitting there at 50-1. to um, And he's always going to be a name that, that shows up. You, you kind of touched on this, so, so let's go twofold here at the same time. Uh... There's Xander, Cantlay, and Colin Morikawa, who I put in the same category in terms of they're just even keel guys and they don't give you much and they don't show you much. And this is a major where normally that's helpful because you've got all these people and all these patrons around you, surrounding you, cheering on and giving all this energy. And the calmer you can seem can be very advantageous. Now we're in a flat tournament. There was a volunteer who told, I believe, Golf Channel's Ryan Lavner, 700 people is the most there's going to be on site for this. Um, Bob Harrig walked around the uh, first nine today and saw four people. Um, There's just not going to be a lot of personnel wandering. Um, And I I wonder if, if it's 
obviously it evens out between the guys who feed off at the Rory's and the Tigers of the world and someone like Jason Kokrak who can come in just, you know, completely anonymous here and they're on the same page. But I do wonder if the ability to keep calm when the moment hits you is negated at all. Because I, I love any of Xander, Morikawa, and Cantley, and I think they're going to win multiple majors. So I'm kind of conflicted on what impact those guys will have versus the more fiery guys like a Bryson or a Rom or a JT or a Rory or a Tiger. That's a, I mean, that's a good question. I think that's what we're still trying to figure out in these fanless majors. And I assume we're still going to have no fans come April this next Masters, so we might as well start talking about that one too. Um, but I think Xander has proven that he doesn't need people to motivate him whatsoever. I think he's put up enough good finishes in the restart to prove the point. Uh, Colin Morikawa won a major without anybody there. Now he's trying to figure out what it's like to be a major champion, and he's kind of gone a little sideways, maybe taking a couple steps back. Where while he figures out being a major champion at such a, a young age, but he'll he'll figure it out. And then Patrick Cantlay, who I I don't think could care less if there are people there. In fact, I think he would prefer them to not be there ever again. Um, unfortunately for him, that's not that. But I think that he might thrive in this kind of environment because. He's not really motivated like a Tiger or like a Rory to perform for people. And you kind of get used to having so many people there to draw off of and maybe even be an advantage for you if you're that kind of player. But, frankly, no one stops to watch Patrick Cantlay play golf unless he's going to win. So he's figured out how to motivate from within. If he gets into contention on Sunday... I have no reason to believe it's going to bother him that no one's there to, to roar you know, around Augusta National and, and give him an indication of what's going on this morning. I, I, I could not believe he would care any less than he already does. Who wins this thing and why? Uh, my pick, I mean, for one and done is Dustin Johnson. And that's hmm. playing the percentages. Because in his last six starts, he's been no worse than T6. How do you bet against that guy? Uh, how do you bet against Bryson? I mean, he's proven the strategy works. And all he has to do is execute it. Big if, right? He's looking at history to become a, a person who has won the Masters in the U.S. Open the same year. There aren't many of them. So I'm sure he's thinking about that. And also, he has not played competitive golf in more than a month. We don't know what he's going to look like competitively speaking. I, I know he talks all the time about practice rounds don't matter and competition doesn't really bother him. He just practices to get ready to hit those shots. I get that. But that's a load of crap. Competition matters. So I don't know what he's going to look like. Uh, Matt Wolf, I, I think, is my most interesting look this week because it, it doesn't seem to bother him that he hasn't won a major and it doesn't seem to bother him that he doesn't have the professional experience of his peers. And he's just putting himself in that position. I mean, he, he outdrove Bryson a whole bunch of U.S. Open. People just didn't talk about it because he didn't use science gobbledygook to explain it. And he's 40 to 1. Are you kidding me? Um, but I, I think it's DJ, and I, I think Brooks Kepka might surprise us a little bit here. JT wins. Um, I, 
I I was encouraged by, and this is going to sound very weird, Ryan, but but you and I both know this. Brooks looked jacked last week, and he's been posting pictures from the gym. And Brooks is somebody that I just feel like need to chip on his shoulder. And, and here he is saying, I'm back. And yes, I have put back on muscle. Yes, I am stronger. And yes, I am going to beat you. And hit a few wayward shots on Sunday. Okay, get that out of your system. You can now work on that this week with Claude Harmon on the range and get tuned up. I think we could see a run from Brooks. I don't know how deeper run, but I could see a run. I don't think Tiger wins this thing. I think he contends, though. Uh, ultimately, Justin Thomas wins this. He's been trending in the right direction. He loves this event, and I believe he wins, um, which unfortunately means that Ricky Fowler will extend his streak in being the all-time leader in strokes game, congratulating major winners, not himself. Yeah, I mean, I... Did, uh... Ricky's not, swing changes are just not there, and I think yeah. it's a backwards so far, but... Um, yeah, he's a 2021 Masters pick in my book, not a 2020 Masters pick. I just feel like this year has been so advantageous to the players who have never done it before that Dustin obviously has, has done it once, but he's also taken steps backwards so many times in his career that I think this benefits him a little bit. Um, I think those guys, uh, maybe even John Rahm, who is getting closer... Uh, he wasn't great at the U.S. Open when everyone thought, and myself included, that he would be great on the, t- the supposed toughest setup of the year, C23. But um, it wasn't good enough to keep up with Bryson. But his, I mean, he gained so many strokes off the tee with his driver. I know he's a little bit lower, but um, if it can dry out just long enough for him, when he gets streaky with the putter, he's, he's really, really hard to beat. So he could be another interesting guy to look at. The other interesting thing that I'll just say about John Rahm, John Rahm flourishes, or sorry, has flourished in 2020 on tough setups. He won at Muirfield Village Week 2 at the Memorial, and he won at the BMW at Olympia Fields. None of them are like Augusta National, but what they all have in common is that they they require a next-level set of focus, a major championship-like focus. This is not going to be a 20... You know, 2025 20, under hit and giggle. This is going to require every facet of your game to be on and to have patience. And he has seemed to have grown more patience in recent years. Maybe a married has done that to him. So I think Ryan, he has won in this type of setup already in 2020 and since the restart, which I think is hugely advantageous um, for him. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, he's done it twice and. He knows he can do this. It's, it's not like he wins against dud fields. The events he wins uh, are good ones. I mean, he wins Rolex Series events, which are like the best ones on the European Tour because of their, their stature and purse. That's what he wins on the European Tour. Yeah. He wins here big events with great fields. The Memorial is what the, the best ever regular season field against the, the World Golf Ranking in the history of the World Golf Ranking. That he, he can do it. He's just got to do it on this particular course, this particular week. It, it's in the cards. He can do it. Uh, I, I, there's just so many players that, uh, like I said, you asked earlier about longer shots. There are so many stacked players that are less than 30 to 1 that you find it, it, it almost seems absurd to think that at least one of them is not going to catch enough heat this week to win. Yeah. A lot of value. There's a lot of value for 
either to win or for top 10 picks or, or matchup picks. A lot of value out there. Ryan Ballinger, thank you as always for coming on Teeing It Up. It is greatly appreciated. Thanks, Jeremy. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.